Sports Gambling Podcast Network and Inside Vegas Podcast are brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. We are also brought to you by Oddshark. Get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as betting stats and trends that you won't find anywhere else. And finally, we are brought to you by BetQL, the only app that puts the knowledge you need to make smart bets in the palm of your hand. Log on to BetQL.co today. Today is Monday, July 9th, and welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast. This week we have on Mill. Mark is Mark Mill is one of the best soccer handicappers I have ever met in the industry. He's a professional sports better who does pretty much exclusively uh, the National Football League and EPL soccer, obviously, accompanying that is the World Cup. Um, I know there's been a ton of World Cup content out there, but I thought it was a good idea to kind of break this down from a recap perspective and a gambling perspective. Uh, so we look at basically uh, all the stats and all the info from the, this past World Cup as far as how favorites did, how draws did, how all the underdogs did, uh, as well as the bracket stages, the group stages, the semifinals, everything and everything, uh, and get his takes on what was a pretty eventful, a uh, very eventful World Cup when we look at some of these huge underdogs hitting uh, some as high as 15 to 1, uh, and as well as the early exit by some teams, obviously most notable, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, everything and everything uh, from a recap perspective of the World Cup um, that will kind of wrap up uh, the World Cup content from the inside Vegas side of stuff. Obviously, Billy will still have his World Cup 24-7 show up until I believe the finals are on July 15th, I think is what we just looked at. Uh, so everything and everything with that, as well as a final look at the final four teams. And of course, the best bets upcoming, as well as Mel picks his champion for the 2018 Russia World Cup. Um, again, as a couple of things coming up on the Inside Vegas podcast, uh, next week we'll do an MLB All-Star Edition uh, with SGP family member Scott Bowser uh, to break down the World Cup, or I'm sorry, the World Cup, the MLB All-Star Game uh, from a side and total perspective, any prop bets in there. They have a ton of great stuff as far as uh, like head-to-head, who gets more hits, all that stuff is is absolutely fun. The Futures Game, and of course the Home Run Derby. So we'll give our, our bets best best bets out for that, as well as everything and everything to kind of look at the recap the first half of the season and look at the second half of the season. Uh, if you're not familiar with Bowser, uh, all the old world, uh, all the old MLB stuff on the regular sports gambling podcast channel, uh, Bowser was always joining me and Ryan and Sean on the uh, win totals podcast, anything and everything with baseball uh, before I kind of took that over. And as well, Bowser still does his Sunday night baseball previews weekly on the sports gambling podcast.com website. Again, so I hope you enjoy uh, Mill, who is, again, a professional soccer handicapper uh, out in Canada. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast is the one, the only, the the EPL expert, uh, the Mill. How, is, how has been your World Cup, man? I know you kind of specialized in the EPL realm and kind of uh, the, I don't want to say underground soccer, that sounds kind of, of out there and, and weird, but the the English leagues and everything that is, is not really United States driven, MLS, obviously you're from Canada and everything like that, but as, as the World Cup, when we look at this as a whole, what's kind of been your biggest takeaways and anything like that? Obviously, we're going to break down each and everything from a recap perspective as far as the group stages and the bracket and everything like that, but what has been kind of your big takeaway as a whole from the 2018 Russia World Cup? Peanut, first off, what's going on, man? Nice to talk to you. It is absolutely hot in the desert, though. We are in the middle of a record heat wave, so I'm trying to stay cool, buddy. 
Well, you know, I'm trying to come out and see you to get signed up for the super contest. So uh, maybe we can do one of these live and in person soon. Um, Absolutely. Anyway, back to the World Cup. Pretty wild. Wild stuff. I uh, appreciate the intro. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, and yeah, excited to talk about the World Cup. As for the most shocking thing, got, got to be Germany not making it out of the group stage, right? Uh, well, you're asking the wrong person. As you know, I deflect to you and I deflect to everyone at the SGP for soccer. And everything I heard with, um, you know, kind of experts' opinions and things like that, when we break this down, you know, from a whole Uruguay to kind of make it out was obviously, I don't want to say mush, that's the wrong, but that was kind of the one that every kind of person that I talked to was big into. Obviously, that came in. The other one was I don't think people kind of thought Russia would do as well as they did. So a good point that Jerry had brought up, who does our all of our soccer at the Sports Game podcast, was they weren't getting kind of the reps and everything uh, that the other teams were getting because they got that, you know, automatic bid and everything like that. Um, but, you know, as far as Germany not making it in, um, was that a surprise? I mean, what was kind of the, when I look at what group were they in off the top of your head, do you know? Uh, so they were in the group with Sweden, Mexico, and uh, the Korean Republic. Um, now, is it shocking? The odds would have you believe it. I think 99% of the world would think that, but then you kind of dive into it, and I'm not going to claim that I had Germany not to advance. I absolutely do not. I was just as surprised as everyone else, but uh, I think it's maybe been blown out of proportion a little bit. Uh, you look back, France did the same thing after they won, Italy, Spain. It's a bit of a trend going on with kind of a letdown, uh, and it's four years later, right? Things do change, and maybe as betters, maybe we are not giving teams kind of enough credit or we're giving them too much credit based on results from you know a long time ago absolutely and so you touched on that word upsets and everything like that so obviously sweden and mexico came out of group f germany only winning one game out of three so when we break this down from an upset perspective let's look at some of the biggest money line upsets south korea at 19 to 1 versus germany mexico six plus 600 versus germany i sense the theme here with germany uh iceland right iceland argentina draw at plus 500 saudi arabia plus 425 versus egypt spain morocco draw at plus 415 and then japan at plus 400 versus colombia out of those, um, what is the biggest thing from kind of a, again, obviously this is fully based around gambling, but from a kind of, I don't want to say what it does to the nation, that, that sounds kind of, you know, I'm not trying to make this bigger than it is, but obviously Germany, you kept saying, is probably the biggest, I don't say loser of the tournament, but that actually probably does kind of fit it in well. Is there anything else out of those? I mean, South Korea being a great story, Mexico, um, the I want to say the draws were, you know, huge things, but Saudi Arabia over Egypt or Japan over Colombia was kind of the biggest kind of talking point at this point so yeah a lot of big upsets uh international soccer is pretty fickle right i mean you i, I cap epl i had a great year two years ago this year not so much um and that, that's just you know that's we're betting on sports things change around and you can't always be 100 percent uh but back to kind of what i was saying on that is it's international soccer the data is not really there it's driven and it, it, it's a lot harder to cap in the sense that you don't have maybe the same data, the same metrics. You don't have, you know, even if you're kind of an eye test uh, sort of gambler, you're not going to have the same knowledge or draw or what you can fall back on for regular sports, right? Like some of these teams only play, like they played less than 10 qualification games. And so Argentina, for example, went through three managers, a bunch of different formations. Like how do you really build up a base of what this team really is? So, yes, they're big upsets by the numbers, but, you know, when you start to look back on it, and there's a lot better minds out there than mine when it comes to this stuff, you can kind of go, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I can see that. 
and so when we look at this again as a fully recap, just breaking this down, favorites, uh, they won 27 times, but they were with the juice minus 5.8. So if you bet every single favorite, you were minus almost six units there. Underdogs won 12 times. If you bet only every single underdog blindly, you won 14 units, 13.89 to be precise. And wow. draws, if you bet um, there was nine draws, but you lost over 15 units. So as, you know, chalk gamblers during the World Cup, as, as you touched on, you know, my philosophy is parlay some big, two big favorites together and, and see where the chips fall, which is absolutely not the way to go. Um, and when things yeah. look too good to be true, obviously they usually end up like that. And yourself as mostly a draw and underdog player, I would say I classify you as. Um, with soccer, again, betting every, if you had bet the 12 underdog winners up over 14 units. Um, so again, draws were the big loser there at minus 15. Uh, what would you say, you know, it seemed like there was absolutely no draws up until probably the quarterfinals. Honestly, I mean, there was very few draws, I believe, in the group stages. Was there, is there kind of a reason for that or anything, you know, different in that? You know, how do you, I always said that I never understood how you could handicap or even root for a draw at that point. Um, it just seems so almost random to me. Um, how, why were there, you know, so few draws early on and then so many more later? Um, so as the teams kind of get to the knockout stage, right, like they're playing for a lot at this point. You can kind of see these kind of cagey, very conservative, don't want to blow it games where you're looking for that kind of breakdown mistake. Uh, and if it's not going to be there, the teams aren't overextending themselves because it's just so easy to get caught on the break. Um, that being said, I do want to touch on uh, maybe just like a little bit of advice I, I have for anyone that's. Uh, going to be capping the World Cup. I guess there's only four games left, really, and I don't know how useful this will be, but if you can backlog it for later, don't don't bet the draws. Uh, don't be betting the draws, especially in the knockout stage. You like the draw, bet it in penalties. Go look at the data. It very rarely is a game decided in extra time. Like If you like something to go for a draw, I think you like it to go to penalties. Take that extra money. Take the extra, because that, that's all what it's all about. Yeah, there's so many different ways to skin that, right? You can play the dog plus a half, which would obviously cash. And then the way that I've been doing is playing two advance. And obviously you have to kind of lay a, a significantly worse price there. Um, and that's kind of where, you know, your open parlays and stuff like that get utilized. Uh, would you say that it's better to kind of bet that dog plus a half if you think a, a game is going to go to a draw? Or are you more of a proponent in laying uh, the little bit of a worse price to get the uh, just two advance price, obviously, where a draw doesn't uh, beat you? Uh, I think you kind of touched on it earlier when you mentioned that uh, I'm a big, big dog better. So I don't really believe in, you know, I, I see a lot of kind of two team parlays on kind of this stuff or kind of trying to buy the juice down. It's just I, I think long term when you're capping soccer, capping football, whatever you want to call it. That's a recipe for disaster. Uh, that being said, I do I live and die by the dog. I mean, yesterday I had a plus sixteen hundred and a plus eight hundred coming in the same day, but that doesn't happen very often, right? So, it, it, I guess it's kind of up to you. I just my mentality has always been. Uh, if you're wrong, you're wrong small. If you're right, you're right big. Right, and when you touch on those huge dogs, soccer is notorious for those, right? And in theory, you only have to Absolutely. win one out of one out of seven to turn a, a profit, and one out of eight to break even um, with those such high prices. Um, so highest scoring group, we're just going to break into this real quick. The highest scoring group was group G with, uh, 24 points, which was, let me break this down right now. Uh, Belgium, England, Tunisia, yep, Belgium, England, and, Tunisia, uh, and Panama. Panama was the highest scoring. Uh, the second highest scoring one was group A, which was, break this one down. Uruguay, Uruguay. Russia. Yep. 
Saudi Arabia and Egypt. Um, obviously, Teams this with uh, the biggest discrepancies. Yep. Right. Like what, Panama, what does that mean? Panama, especially like blue. Well, so England and Belgium, world class. Panama, uh, absolutely not. Uh, got in over the U.S. Probably shouldn't have been there at all. And it showed in their games, right? You, when England beats them six-one, uh, that's not because England's some kind of big powerhouse. Yes, they're a very good team and they've made it deep. It just really shows you how bad Panama is. Yeah, and Group G uh, was the plus 300 favorite to be the highest scoring group, and truthfully, it wasn't really close uh, by three uh, by seven points. So that the chalk came yeah. in there, um, and then the 122 goals during that was the uh, was during the tournament. The over under was at 159, so absolutely crushing it um, to the under there as well. Um, again, so just touching this from a broad perspective, knockout stages. Um, we touched on the biggest surprise, obviously, with Germany. Um, anything else there that you want to touch on before we kind of move on and, and break into the bracket stages of this World Cup tournament for a recap and everything? No, let's hit the brackets here. All right, so group of 16, again, we'll take this as far and as deep as you want to from a gambling perspective. Touched on Uruguay. Everybody that I talked that I talked to in the soccer world was such a big fan of this team. Um, and again, not to break this down too much in the X's and O's of soccer, uh, obviously beating Portugal. Um, in the round of 16, beating them 2-1, to one, and France beating Argentina 4-3. to three. Uh, What was the kind of the takeaways from those two top groups there? Or two top games, I should say, in the round of 16? Uh... So I'm going to start with France just because they're still in it. Um, I think m maybe talking it out will even help me decide what I want to bet. Cause at this point, I'll be honest, I haven't really decided on the, on the semifinals. I think, uh, tactically they're going to be very interesting matchups. Um, what I think you have in France is I don't, I've never given Deschamps a lot of credit. I think he's kind of an idiot as a manager. However, I think he might have finally figured out what his best starting 11 is. Um, and why that is so crucial is because on paper, France has such extreme depth, so much talent. I mean, they can hit you on the counter. They can hit you holding the ball. Uh, their defense is very solid. They have an excellent keeper. Their issue has been, to me, that their manager never knew what formation, what tactics to employ to get the best out of those players. So moving through the bracket, I think you saw them outclass Argentina uh, based on they had more skill. And then in their next game, I think what you saw was finally a very well-driven tactical performance. Um, and their matchup against Belgium is going to be something special to watch. Obviously, the big chalk did not, or the two kind of most well-known players were also out there, right, uh, with Portugal and Argentina there as well. Was there, right. especially with Ronaldo... Um, and Messi, was there, you know, is there an opportunity to kind of fade those big names knowing that, you know, soccer is such a team sport? And absolutely, blah, 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 absolutely. Blah. Um, it was kind of shocking to a lot of people, maybe not the sharpest guys in the industry um, like yourself, but with those two guys going out, was that kind of a big blow to, I don't want to say viewership because obviously it's such a global phenomenon more than it is in the U.S., um, but was that kind of a, I don't want to say drag, but what was, the, was there any effect at all, um, either from a gambling perspective or kind of a recognition perspective from the World Cup with having those two guys both out of the tournament so early in the round of 16 i don't think it will affect viewership in any way uh, especially when you look at who's still left i mean if you get a france england final that is going to be absolutely electric um however that being said uh i did think argentina looked very vulnerable before the tournament started uh i opposed them not to advance from the group i got i th i like to think i got unlucky maybe i was just too 
overambitious with how poor I thought they actually were. But I think that came out in France, uh, which was nice to see them uh, get eliminated for that. Uh, Portugal, same kind of story. I mean, I put Portugal in a bunch of parlays because I am a degen. Uh, <laughs> so so I, I was riding them for a, a big 40K payout where I hit a bunch of other really random crap. So I was sad to see them go, but, you know, not overly surprised. That team was uh, Ronaldo and a, and a bunch of clowns when it comes down to it, really. All right. So then Brazil, 2 nothing over Mexico. Belgium, 3-2 to two over Japan. I believe both of those were pretty uh, sizable chalk there. So any surprises or anything of note in those two games? The surprise of note is how Belgium won that game. Uh, they were down 2-0. I can't remember if it was the 60th minute or later. It was somewhere around there. I sat down and I was watching that game. I was like, man, I, I wasn't a fan of Belgium, but holy shit, I can't believe they're about to drop out to Japan. They get a header from out of nowhere. Uh, they get Fellaini climbing on top of someone to nail one in, and then they get one on the break, and I actually had them in a parlay to cover. So I was feeling good about my luck on that one. Um, but it's just the manner in which they won was so shocking. And then when they go to to brazil i think a lot of very uh sharp industry minds a lot of people i listen to and really respect thought brazil was going to manhandle belgium and do exactly what belgium did to brazil uh which is sit back soak up the pressure hit them on the counter and it was just the complete opposite so uh, you have an extremely interesting matchup with france and belgium of there's just so much talent across uh across both sides there Beautiful. All right. So Spain and Russia obviously do a 1-1 draw, Russia advancing, and then Croatia and Denmark, 1-1 uh, draw, Croatia advancing 3-2. Anything of note there? Uh, all I'd like to say is, uh, just because Croatia's in the final, I'd like to give a little preamble for everyone. Yeah. Um, something to kind of monitor is what happened in the last game against Russia for Croatia, where it looked like their goalie pulled his hamstring. Um now, that might sound kind of petty. He actually stayed in the game, which was shocking considering they went to penalties and he looked okay. Just something to maybe monitor, see if he's in, see kind of how that plays out. Uh, but yeah, Croatia has a ton, a ton of talent. Uh, when you can, for a lot of those games, Kramerik, who really is, not he's not a world-class player, but he's very, very talented, can come off your bench. That really speaks to the depth of your team. And I mean, again, when I look at this from the novice perspective that I do, does Croatia having experience winning two penalty kicks kind of give them an edge in any area, obviously in penalty kicks and everything like that and fighting through some adversity and stuff? Um, so I'm just going to no, jump right into England because that's who they play. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so I think kind of your question is twofold in how I'm going to answer that. So England has overcome some serious demons by winning that penalty kick game. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if you know, but they've always really struggled in penalties, and that's always kind of been their downfall. And they've yeah, had I think it was like 0-3, the last penalty kick um, outcomes, right? Something like that? Right, and and their teams have been a lot more name-power worthy, maybe is the way to put it, than this one. I mean, when you have the likes of Beckham, and you know the list goes on and on of who was on there. But whenever they went up to penalties, they, they looked scared, they looked nervous, they looked unprepared. Uh, Southgate had this side ready to go, and I think... I think that that mentally made them uh, overcome some pretty big hurdles where now that team has some confidence. Uh, on the other side, you're right, Croatia has played in two penalties. They have won in two penalties. That makes me really dislike them um, in the game against England because that's a lot of soccer to be playing. Right. Uh, 
you know, England did have the one game that went went to extra time. Uh, then their game against Sweden looked relatively easy. I mean, Pickford played absolutely light out. That kid is a monster in that. Um, but but that aspect for Croatia is it's disheartening because I think they're such a good team. But I I don't know. I I can't see myself backing a team coming off two games going to, into extra time and penalties. Yeah, and that might be a little bit different than kind of how the novice better like myself in soccer would think of that in that maybe the initial gut reaction is they're tried and tested in penalty kick minutes, but yeah, or, but yeah you don't uh, account for all the extra time um, that they've played. I, I, like, I think both could be, uh, you could argue, have been tried and tested and both would have confidence. Um, penalty kicks, man, like <laughs> there's some funny gifts that come out on the internet of people watching soccer because if you have a bet and it's coming down to penalties, I don't know that you can name me uh, a better high in sports betting than that. Right, yeah, absolutely. It's it's absolutely unbelievable. There's nothing else like it. Even if you don't have something on the game. Overtime hockey by playoffs or Olympic some... hockey might be the closest thing. Yeah, playoff hockey shootout. But uh, I, I, I don't know. There's just something about it's a, a ball. It doesn't move from the spot. Player, goalie, boom, it's in or it's not. It, it's just absolutely wild. Absolutely, man. All right, so let's finish up round of 16. Sweden won nothing over Switzerland. Colombia and England, as we just touched on, the 1-1 draw in England advancing. Um, we just touched on England a little bit. Um, is there anything in particular with Sweden and Switzerland? Uh, not overly, no. I just wanted to kind of focus in on what I thought of England there just because they have the, the game left. Yep. All right, so, I mean, that's anything noteworthy. I know we just broke it down kind of game by game, but biggest takeaway of the round of 16, I would assume, would be Belgium and their comeback over Japan is kind of the biggest story. Absolutely, absolutely, of, yeah. yeah live, that was something I mean, to, to really see. you know what they were on the live line down uh, 3-0? I, I, I don't. Um, it's got to be, what, 29 21 something like that? They had to be ridiculous. I'm sure if you looked on Twitter, someone could find that or yeah. someone might have hit that. All right, so Uruguay's uh, run of grit and luck kind of ran out, losing to France 2-0, and then Brazil losing to Belgium 2-1 um, in the quarterfinals. Um, obviously, you touched on France and Uruguay. Um, a lot of people, um, again, Billy in, uh, had this on the Sports Game Podcast that he thought Uruguay had no chance, and it really wasn't close 2-0 over uh, losing 2-0 against France, and then Belgium, uh, I believe that was an upset, right? 2-1 uh, over Brazil. Yeah, Belgium was an upset. Belgium was a pretty trendy upset, actually, too. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, biggest takeaways out of France winning 2 to nothing and Brazil uh, losing 2-1. to one. Um, Yeah, I, I think I might have mentioned it earlier, but I think that it, it shows that maybe France has actually arrived with champs and they know what they're doing. Um, and then for Belgium, they are as talented as people think. This is their golden generation. And maybe, just maybe, after eight years, they might have just figured this out. How big of a loss was that for the Brazil uh, soccer program or national program to lose to Belgium 2-1 to one in the World Cup in the round in the quarterfinals? Um, I mean, it's not like they lost to a nobody. They lost mm -hmm. to a team that's, that's decent. Uh, Neymar came out after that, though, and he said that was the most humiliating loss of his career. Um, you know, they were, Belgium were, or sorry, Brazil were favorites for a reason. Yep. Right, they had a very talented squad, but All right, I guess so it, it is what it is, and I'm happy they're not there, to be honest. I'd love to see a France-Belgium uh, France game. Yeah, it just seemed like, I mean, myself, I, the two futures I had were Spain and, and Brazil. Um, again, 
Brazil and Spain to me are just kind of the chalk that much like kind of the New England and Alabamas of the world in college football and the NFL. It was just a price that I thought would shorten. Um, and, and obviously that it did, but good for Belgium and props to them. Final two, Russia and Croatia dealing to a 2-2 draw. Croatia advancing on penalty kicks and England 2-0 over Sweden. Um, bigger bigger win there, either Croatia or England. Uh, I would say uh, England had to be just on the way that they won that game. Right, uh, the penalty kicks uh, exercising they, they, those demons. Not, not necessarily because they didn't win on Sweden against penalty kicks, but they won the previous game on penalty kicks, and then they looked very dominant. They looked very comfortable, um, and I think they showed that they, they're, a, they're a solid team. And, you know, when you hear it's coming home, it might be. Like, that's not that far-fetched to me. Right. All right. So we finally have current odds up for the um, semifinals. So let's break these down from a futures perspective. We have France is the plus 180 favorite, England plus 210, Belgium uh, plus 210 as well, and Croatia, the quote unquote long shot at plus 350. Again, these odds are always, as always, courtesy of mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. So, uh, blanket statement. Uh, no hedging, no nothing. What sh- what is the best price available uh, there, or best you know? Um, which price of- is the most attractive out of those four teams as it stands right now? As an outright. Yep. Uh, as an outright. Mm. So I, someone's uh, coming to town to Vegas put... for the weekend, and they're going to place one future, and that's all they're going to play. Either Belgium plus two ten, Croatia plus three fifty, England plus two ten, and France at plus one eighty with no hedging kind of involved and stuff like that. Or if you want to do one just strictly based on value and hedging and stuff like that, you can kind of outline that thought process as well. I think England plus two ten, just because. I'd like them in the game over Croatia based on kind of what we touched on earlier with Croatia having to come off playing uh, playing those two games. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's um, break the... Okay. That, but the prices are... I, I wouldn't recommend anyone bets into these markets. I mean, those lines have some pretty big margin... Yeah, it seems to me that the way to go would be kind of a two advance uh, money line rollover parlay only because you're getting plus money and plus money. I mean, again, let's break down these these odds. England is plus 130 on the money line. Croatia at plus 245. The two advance lines are not um, out yet. Um, And then Belgium plus 205 and France plus 150. Uh, The draws are about plus 210 each. Um, Again, we touched on this. Um, Let's break these these down. Um, So obviously the first game is going to be Belgium and France. Um, as we touched on, there's not really a plus half um, market in this. If you want to bet the draw, it's at plus 215 right now on mybookie.ag and the total at uh, two and a half. Um, without the kind of opportunity to be able to take a plus a half or anything like that, which I know um, you're a huge fan of, what's, what is kind of the um, best look in this game from an odds perspective and, and in a two advance? Um, so I, don't know this, I don't know that you're going to like this. This might be pretty unpopular to say. However... The best bet in these games is not going to be in the three-way markets. It's not going to be in the two-way markets. Uh, these are massive games. They're going to have a lot of liquidity. You need to be looking elsewhere. Uh, you can look into goal-scoring markets. You can look into card markets. You can look into corner markets. Um, this is going to be a lot like uh, like Super Bowl lines. I mean, I, I know you're a big NFL handicapper, Pina, so you look in that. There's usually not a lot in those lines, and there's usually not a lot in those lines for a reason. They are very sharp. They're getting heavily bet into. Um, that all being said, I know I know you're looking for an answer. I think England 
in the 90 minutes might not be a bad look, but it's not going to be something I have money on. Any lean in the Belgium-France? Belgium-France is very, very interesting. Uh, it might take a smarter mind than my own to come up with tactically how that's going to look. Uh, there's some absolutely fascinating matchups. You got uh, De Bruyne going up against uh, N'Golo Conte, who, um, you know, there was a saying when he was back at Leicester that he was essentially the ocean because he covered so much field. Uh, <laughs> high work ethic, great off the ball. He's not... Uh, prolific when it comes to striking or kind of creating like uh, De Bruyne is. Um, man, that, that's going to be a, a really interesting game, a really tough one to call. Uh, when you look at the managers, I don't necessarily think either team is going to have an edge. Uh, when you look at the striking, again, like Belgium is so good up front, but so is France. Uh, when you have Giroud, Griezmann, and Mbappe, like there, I, I can't give an edge there. Um, I would lean towards France. Uh, I think Belgium is a very trendy underdog. Uh, they upset Brazil. They came back against Japan. France has kind of done it just a little bit more utilitarian where they've looked good in their wins, but it hasn't been anything overly remarkable or over or anything overly to, to take note of like what Belgium has done. Um, do you have the 90-minute price on France in front of you? Uh, let me look right now. Um, yeah, that was the 90-minute um, price. I'm sorry. That was uh, plus 150 for France. Plus 150 in the 90. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's not a bad look either. Uh, one thing I – yeah, plus 150 on France. I do like that. That's actually not bad at all. All right. So uh, th- that might be something closer to – that uh, that I'd actually be holding. Um, something else, another market you can look at is the both teams to score market. Um, one of my favorite degenerate that, bets. Yeah, it, it, and you know what? It's a pretty good one if you can get a decent number. A lot of the times you can get plus money on those. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that they're out yet or what they'd be. I imagine both would be sitting around. That, that France-Belgian one's got to be sitting around minus 150 or something. Um but with how good those offenses are, I don't know. That's pretty square, but that might not be a bad look. Um, one thing to definitely avoid is don't be parlaying anything here. Uh, it's going to be tough enough if you're going to try and turn a profit on these two games. You don't need to be adding that in. Yeah, and you touched on kind of the prop market and kind of, and I'll call them exotics. Um, but is there anything, um, again, I have the odds up right in front of me looking at the Westgate for kind of just because they have every, absolutely everything out. Um, is there anything kind of goal scores? Obviously, uh, Lukaku has been absolutely huge um, in, in scoring goals. Anything team totals, both of those are sitting at one. Um, anything that um, you either want me to look up um, to talk about or anything that's kind of not side total driven um, as far as prop market? Can you give me a, uh, a France team total if it's up? Yep, it is. I'm just driving around in my car here. Sorry. No, you're fine. It is over under one minus one sixty to the over under one plus one forty. I wonder what you could get on one and a half. Uh, Belgium. If you look at uh, Belgium's expected goals, uh, yes, they've been scoring a lot, but God, they have been awful on D. Um, and if you can maybe find an alternate, uh, depending on your book, of France team total over one and a half, get that juice nice and down up into the the plus money range. That might be the play. 
Absolutely. And then uh, Fre- or Belgium is the same You don't same mind thing. laying the juice minus 160. I think at worst, you're probably getting a push. Yeah. I mean, with these such, I mean, it seems to me that outside of maybe one or two, it's been such a low scoring game. Obviously, Belgium having to come back being the exception. Uh, France, four to three. Argentina, there's been such low scoring games. But, um, you know, in the round of 16, only team that didn't score a goal was Mexico and Switzerland. Um, and in the quarterfinals, the only two teams, again, I say only out of uh, six, but it was Uruguay and Sweden. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. Both teams to score bet as well. Um, and so again, it's just, it's never out of it and you don't have to worry about a total as far as, you know, an over under obviously one-to-one cashes the bet there. So it, it just gives, it's never over, but it, you don't feel kind of quite as, as square when you're playing an over there as well. Uh, so I like that one a lot. Pina. I like that team total over one. The more I think about it, I mean, I, I, for France? <laughs> I guess that's kind of contradictory because I just said, I don't like laying the juice, but I can't see them not scoring in that game. Okay, so um, yeah, France uh, team total over one. So if, if you're looking for if you're looking for a bet, I think that's your bet right there. Absolutely beautiful, buddy. I I, I poked and prodded you enough to to get uh, the best bet out of you. Sometimes I need that, man. <laughs> it's good. Uh, any side or any lean in the totals? Belgium, France over two and a half, um, or England, Croatia at minus one fifteen at two. Um, England, Croatia. Could you give me a team total on England? I sure can. That would be England is. Uh, let me see. Let me pull this up. Actually, I don't even think that one's out yet. Um, Belgium, France. No, that one's not out yet because it's a day away. So it'll probably be at one again, though. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, then I'll I'll, uh, I'll save my judgment on that one. But I would say um, that game interests me a little bit more in team total unders. Um. Jordan Pickford looked great. I think England's kind of figured out, uh, kind of figured out what they need to do. Um, so I, I would look to an under in that game. I mean, I don't love the under two. That's that's rough. Um, so uh, yeah, I, you know what? I would wait on that one to see what you can get. All right. So let's let's wrap this up. France, Belgium, Croatia, England. Give me a winner in both, and then give me a World Cup winner. Oof. Um, to have to be a winner in uh, a winner in ninety minutes, or just to advance? Nope, just overall, just who winner who ends up uh, advancing out of France and Belgium, Croatia and England, and then a World Cup winner because uh, this will take place so, throughout the next week when we won't have another opportunity to do a, another World Cup kind of recap show for the final on the fifteenth. Right, so I think uh, England is probably your best bet to advance. Uh, I think I saw the minus one fifty to advance on the two way line, which mm-hmm. I actually don't mind. Um, uh, I think Croatia is going to be run down. They're going to be tired. They've played so much football uh, and England's kind of coming and rested. They have, I want to say exercised a lot of their demons. There's a lot of confidence in that locker room, a lot of confidence with that team. Um, so I like England to come out of that one. Uh, as for France, Belgium, flip a coin maybe, but I would <laughs> say I'm, uh, I'm leaning maybe like 53% to France. All right. Like a, a small lean. I'm more interested in watching that one. Take that team total bet best or that team total bet, but maybe you're looking at France, England in what would be an absolutely massive game. All right, perfect. Winner of the World 2018 Russian World Cup. Who do you got? Oof. Man. Uh, you can put me on the spot. Uh, I wanna say England. I really like they're do. Destiny's I, team this year, right? You know what? I don't know if I'm drinking the uh, the proverbial Kool-Aid. Uh on them and just kind of buying into it's coming home but boy I, I don't know they do look like kind of that team of destiny they have uh, 
They have everything they need. Harry Maguire is an absolutely amazing, amazing player. Um, he looks good. Harry Kane looks good. I think that that England France game tactically would be would be pretty interesting. I think England has what it would take and to hit them on the break. Uh, maybe you even see Sterling finally do something, though. I doubt it. All right, buddy. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and again, as always, people can always find you on Twitter at Money Mills Mark M Zero N E Y Mills Mark, buddy. Um, anything else as far as the World Cup goes? As a recap, uh, you know what? No, I think uh, just if you if you're just getting into it now, you don't have any skin in the game. Try and find uh, try and find those other markets. Uh, try and see what you can can look for you know like i know it's really easy to just see those three-way lines because that's the first thing that your book wants you to see um but dive in sometimes the markets are a little softer you can get some good props uh if you like someone to score a goal usually you can get a pretty decent uh decent chunk uh, of money on them down awesome buddy well thanks again for taking the time man i, I know i call you out it's kind of a last minute thing bro but uh again i can't thank you enough for taking the time and again as always please follow him on twitter at money mills mark uh money with a zero buddy thank you again so much for taking the time man money with a zero <laughs> no worries Pino. hopefully i see you soon down in vegas all right buddy i'll see you for the super contest man take it easy thank you so much